Welcome back to the Family Movie Night Podcast. This is episode 14, and in honor of the first time we are talking about a Marvel Cinematic Universe film, Doctor Strange, uh, I wanted to ask my co-host, what movie, what MCU movie, or now they've got TV shows, so what MCU property do you hope we talk about next? Donnie Dorsey, what, what, what MCU film you want us to go after? If I'm honest, I think there's definitely a couple that I like to see. Um, I think Hawkeye, um, most oh. recently, is a really good one that we could talk about. Uh, a lot of good family stuff in that movie. Oh, I mean, that show. I love Hawkeye. It was yeah. probably one of my favorites. I mean, just because it encompassed everything. Like, it yeah. was a little bit of everything. So, definitely would be the one I picked. All right. Sawyer Hewlett, what are you thinking? What MCU property are we going to talk about next? Uh, I this is my go-to MCU answer for whenever someone asks me anything MCU related. I'm probably gonna say Thor Ragnarok. That movie is my jam. Yeah. So all, all those crazy visuals, along with Taika Waititi's Korg. I love Korg. So yeah, a lot of funny movie. stuff, and uh, Thor Ragnarok's got a lot of uh, humor to it. It's definitely uh, for a lot of people. I I I'll just tell you this: for bang for my buck, Thor: The Dark World. I'm the only <laughs> one. I'm the only one out here standing Thor: The Dark World. So uh, that's a good one. I, I'll say my answer for this is either WandaVision, uh, which Ooh. I think is just funny, beautiful, uh, just very powerful, or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Uh, which I just, I, I can't help. I was running on the treadmill watching this movie, uh, and when Rocket Raccoon at the end of the movie cries about how people <laughs> still love love people who steal batteries, I'm weeping, crying <laughs> Dude, for Rocket I, Raccoon. The last 15 minutes of that movie, I am a mess every yeah. time. <laughs> So there you go. That's our answer. But today we are talking about Doctor Strange. If you haven't seen Doctor Strange, uh, this is a movie that is about a man named Doctor Stephen Strange, who while on a journey of physical and spiritual healing, this brilliant neurosurgeon is drawn into the world of the mystic arts and becomes a superhero. <laughs> Welcome to the Family Movie Night Podcast, where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. And whether you are a comic book nerd like me or not, more than likely your family is consuming some kind of superhero content, if not Marvel Cinematic Universe content. Uh, when I was a kid, I was the only person I knew who cared anything about Doctor Strange or Iron Man. But now everyone's talking about it. These movies are making multi-billion dollars at the box office. Uh, so we want to help you have better conversations about superhero films and especially about Doctor Strange. My name is Nathan, and I am joined, as always, by Donnie, my co-host. Donnie, what do we do on this podcast? Well, on this podcast, we encourage every family at Community Christian to have a monthly movie night. It helps you to with, with your children to build memories and start conversations that matter. The goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical to that is for you to have a routine, regular time of connection and shared experiences that help you build some stronger relationships. 
And uh, movie nights are a great opportunity to do that because movies are not just like, you know, an easy way to share laughter and joy, but even fear and sadness in an environment. Uh, but, you know, we also think they give us a chance to talk about what matters most to us in a way that's uh, meaningful and memorable with our children. And, uh, you know, on, on this podcast, we we want to not only recommend some movies that you could watch on your monthly movie night, but uh, also give you some ideas of meaningful conversations that you could have with your children uh, during or after the movie. And as always, we don't want this podcast to be just another thing on your list of things as a parent that you feel guilty about not doing. Uh, these movie nights are really, we just want to help it to be easier for you as a family to get together and to build memories and to share conversations that actually matter, that help your kids love Jesus and his way of life even more. So we're going to have some fun when we're talking about this, and we hope that it just inspires you to have some better conversations. And uh, I'm very excited about this. If you don't know, one of the reasons we're talking about this movie is uh, from the very first meeting we had about this podcast, I said, at some point, we're talking about Dr. Strange. And this movie is coming out the day after my birthday. So this is my birthday present to myself. We're getting to talk about Doctor Strange. And I'll just go from the top, uh, just but what I love about this movie. Um, one, I am a, uh, as some might say, a Marvel zombie from way back in the day. Uh, when I was about eight or nine, I started reading comic books. And this was before really like comic, this was like the year that uh, X-Men, the movie came out. And uh, I just fell in love, especially with Marvel comics and kind of kept that love up until um, maybe like five years ago, still reading comics. And uh, uh, I have always just loved comic book stories, comic book movies, especially the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so uh, what I love about Doctor Strange, one is if you're not an MCU fan, if you've seen no Marvel movies, you can just watch this movie. You don't have to know anything about any other characters, about any other thing. You can just jump right in, know this character, get to know him. Uh, and it is it is just really fun, uh, really phenomenal. I think there's some name drops. like to, They say the word the Avengers at some point. So if you know that the Avengers are a superhero team, that's literally all you need to know. Uh, and so uh, this is a movie that does that. But as someone who just loved, even though I love the MCU, there's kind of a sameness that people talk a lot because these movies are now kind of more like a TV show than movies. Uh, they kind of all have the same visual look. And this movie came out at, like right in the middle of all of them. And was it just looks like nothing I've ever seen before. There's no other Marvel movie that looks like this. In fact, even other Marvel movies that feature Doctor Strange can't really capture the magic, no pun intended, yeah. uh, around the visuals here even the latest spider-man movie that has it there's some moments where they sort of get it but never even close to as good as this looks so it's fun it's really good and it's really emotional and it, it particularly for me this is a movie that ends in a way that one trouble with superheroes is superhero movies certainly teach kids the way to solve problems is to go punch somebody in the face uh and this is a movie that not only even other movies like the latest spider-man movie kind of deals with that but they're still punching people in the face uh they still solve the problem by punching people in the face <laughs> just in a different way this is a movie where literally the person ends the fight by saying you can punch me in the face but i'm not gonna punch you yeah. and it's just it just is a remarkably different kind of superhero movie and for that reason uh i love it donnie what, what what do you think just about the enjoyment of this movie um well first of all one of the things that really i think i forgot about was the fact that how visually appealing everything about this the way things are done 
like you said, it's just it's different than and it's not only just different from the other MCU stuff. It's just I think it was so far ahead of itself in a lot of the things that it did, because, I mean, I'm watching these things and like I was able to like to to suspend my disbelief of certain things of like seeing that. Oh, well, that's like it was very it was so well done <laughs> that I was like, oh, like I was so in like gripped by everything going on because of yeah. that. Well, and I'll say, I think, you know, sometimes superheroes kind of end up being like a, this is a boy genre thing. I have four daughters. They love the Marvel movies, but they really love this movie. Every time we watch this movie, they're excited to see Doctor Strange. There's something about the fact that it's not fist fighting. Like it's, it's this, it's this almost like dance. I mean, there's like a dance to the way that they, you know, they do magic and uh, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, so, uh, Sawyer, what, what do you think about this movie? Yeah, I, I like this movie. Um, maybe my, my favorite, you, you hit on it a little bit, Nathan. My favorite aspect of this movie is definitely the visuals. Um, I, I love, love, there's like two scenes that are some of the trippiest stuff in all of Marvel matched only, you got to bring it up again, Thor Ragnarok. Matched only by Thor <laughs> Ragnarok. But, uh, but no, I, I love the visuals in this movie. I also love uh, Steven's character arc. You know, the, um, and Benedict Cumberbatch's performance, honestly, um, because it's a character that um, is very damaged. But what I love about it is he's not aware of his damage until later in the movie. And he gets like like this movie kind of like the the superhero idea starts when he gets in a car accident. But the thing the movie does a great job of establishing is that he's damaged from before that. You know, he has he has a heart issue that he has to get over. Um, and, and that heart issue is kind of a, the issue of himself. He's a very um, um, arrogant person. And like, as a fan of the TV show, Dr. House, I just love the first act because it's very much begging the question, what if Dr. House became a superhero? And I love that. Um, yeah. But then the movie evolves and it, it becomes this question of what if this guy who loves himself decides to love others more than himself? And yeah. I, I just love the question that it asks of, of, the, of the character of Doctor Strange. Um, not many Marvel movies ask that question of their characters. Well, and I think important to mention at this point is the director of this film, Scott Derrickson. Um, I remember watching an interview with him. He's a most known for his horror films, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Sinister. Um, and he is actually a, 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 a faithful Christian. He would, he was actually at Fuller seminary doing an interview about his, uh, filmmaking way he thinks. So this is a committed Christian who is making these kind of films. And I think that's the, what you just talked about there, Sawyer is part of what I love is this movie, although it's about a character from the mystic arts, who's a sorcerer and kind of all those things, obviously fictitious. So we don't have to worry about that. Uh, but it really has this very, and it's kind of the character is rooted in kind of Eastern mysticism kind of stuff. But the worldview of the movie is very Christian in the sense that it's a worldview of a movie about choosing uh, the pathway of death to life. Sacrifice leads to freedom. Uh, like you said, I have to die to myself to love others. All of that is all over this movie. Um, and I think that's really the themes that we want to talk about is how uh, how this kind of gets, um, you know, I remember um, Martin Scorsese once said that 
films filmmakers are smugglers that they smuggle ideas into movies that that's their ideas i'm making a movie about doctor strange that's this you know sorcerer big budget marvel movie they have all their agenda of what they want to accomplish but i'm smuggling in these christian ideas of self-sacrifice and choosing uh choosing to die to myself to love others and i think that's such a beautiful thing in this film so um, Sawyer, why don't you start with our first theme? Because you've already kind of hit on it. What we think is a good theme for you to talk about, and this is, I think this is kind of an all ages movie. I don't think there's too much objectionable in this movie. My kids, once again, love it. My youngest is five, um, and they loved it. So um, if you got kids that are into superhero movies, you can watch this movie with them. Um, and the character of, the, the idea that we think you should talk about is this idea of self-sacrificial love. But that's really the idea. It's about sacrificing myself, uh, obviously, towards the end of the movie in a very literal way, but even in these small kind of ways throughout. And one of the ways that we talked about is he really has to sacrifice his pride, right? So this is an unlikable character who at the beginning of the movie is the most brilliant neurosurgeon anyone has, but he's unwilling to take any case where he might fail, right? So he ends up yeah. choosing, I'm not going to help people if it doesn't make me look good. So Sawyer, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So like I, that one of my favorite moments in the entire movie, uh, at least like character moments is uh, in, in the middle of the second act. Um, there's this scene where Steven is really struggling to figure out how to do magic is the thing. And the ancient one kind of his, um, his Miyagi, if you will, um, comes to him to kind of help him out. Cause he's like, I can't do this. My, my broken hands are why I can't do this and stuff like that. And she takes him through a portal to Mount Everest. And she's kind of just like, Hey, isn't this beautiful and stuff like that. And she's trying to convince him, Hey, you need to surrender to the magic. Like the magic wants to like work, but your, your self image is what's detracting it. And the last thing she says to him is surrender, Stephen. And then she walks through the portal and closes it before he can. And she's like, he has to get back on his own. And it's one of my favorite moments because it, it, it communicates this idea of if you're willing to surrender who you think you are, God is going to reward you. Okay. That it's one of my favorite moments in, the, in any MCU movie in particular, but especially this one. I, I just love the idea of that movie because, because it's like, it's this idea that God is waiting for you to be humble. All like, that's it. If you are humbled before God, he is going to reward that. And I just, I love that idea. Well, and I think that's important because I think so often, um, so the character of Stephen Strange is this brilliant neurosurgeon. In fact, the reason he gets in the car accident is because he's on his way to receive this award for how brilliant he is. But he's sw he's 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 texting while driving. He's he's looking at these uh, X-rays or or he's looking at these CAT scans and basically determining like, nope, that guy's too far gone. Won't help him. Nope, can't help that person. He's looking for like the perfect thing that will make him succeed because in the end, even in his surgery and him helping other people, it's about him. It's about how good he looks. It's about what he gets out of thing. In fact, there are several characters. The character that sends him to this kind of uh, what's called Karmartage, the, the kind of monastery where he learns all this stuff, he says to him, I actually came to you to ask for help, but you thought, there he goes, there was no glory in trying to heal me. You thought you'd fail. And by the, the whole movie is him really learning, I have to be humble. And in fact, 
the only way when he comes to the ancient one to be healed, right? His hands are all broken from this car wreck. He comes to the ancient one to be healed. And as soon as he walks in and realizes, oh, this is some kind of mysticism, spirituality, he starts talking down to her until she, one of the coolest moments in the movie, kind of does this astral projection, pushes him, his spirit out of his body. He goes on this mystic journey across all this very like psychedelic looking stuff. And then he's immediately humbled. He realizes, I don't know as much as I think I know. And being able to say to my daughters, like, that's what God wants us to do is to realize we don't know as much as we think we know. We need God's help. Obviously, this movie is talking about mysticism and magic, and that's not what we're talking about. But to be able to say to them, like, look, for you to be able to get to the place where Stephen gets, where he goes, there's nothing I can do to fix me. I need you. Well, that's the path that Jesus is trying to draw all of us to, towards is there's nothing I can do to fix me, but you can. I will surrender to you. Now, that also goes to a second kind of point about sacrifice here, which Donnie kind of hit on when we were talking about this before, is really this idea of sacrificing control. Uh, Stephen Strange is this, once again, as you probably already tell, very type A, uh, I'm always in control of everything, won't allow himself to ever let go. And that's that conversation you were talking about, Sawyer, where um, the ancient one has this conversation where she's, he says, I don't understand how to control this magic. And she says, you can't. And this is kind of the quote. She says, you can't control a river. You just surrender to it. You surrender to the current. You get it that this current is kind of flowing. Once again, that's actually very biblical imagery of the river of God, right? The streams of living water that God's just inviting you to kind of surrender to the currents of grace and the flow of the river of God. And he has to learn how to surrender control. And, and Donnie, you, you were talking about this before. So um, why don't you talk a little bit about this idea where he has to learn to sacrifice his control? Yeah. So like, I mean, kind of give like a, a brief overview and the idea of like who he is. Like he's just like, like uh, Nathan's already talked about. It's like, he's this expert neurosurgeon that for his entire life, he basically could do whatever he want in the skill set, you know, and because he was that skilled at what he did. And he realized when he was in this accident and lost the use of his hands that had been for, you know, his moneymaker, you know, he had to figure out something else. And in order for him to gain more, like she told him, he had to give up more. But it wasn't giving up more stuff because if uh, as they're doing it, like he loses, like he spends a lot of his money to the point where he's basically running out of money to be able to do all these things. And it came down to him going, if you would pay attention, it's not about what you're doing. It's about you're trying to control an environment in the world around you that's not yours to control. And he had to come to that realization. It's like, hey, look, you're over here trying to do all these things and trying to get the magic to work for you rather than do these things where it works with you. And like, and I think that's a that's a huge challenge for him. Yeah. Because for most things, he had a he had a way of controlling it, whether it was he could control who he was doing surgery on, he could control who was in the um the operating room with him, he can control all the aspects of it, but in order for him to heal, he had to let his body do what it needed to do. And he had to listen to that and let go of that control. And like, because when you're a person that knows how to fix something, but you can't do it yourself, it's very humbling. And he had to humble himself because he was like, well, I know what I should do. I could, I could just do this and I could do this, but nobody was capable of it. 
So he had to put himself in a position to go, okay, there may be a different way. And you'll see that kind of like later in the movie is that, that there's not just the ways that you think. Sometimes you have to look outside of your purview to see that the opportunities and the options are more when you don't put yourself at the forefront. Well, and I think what he ends up learning is he gains control by surrender. Yeah. That there are things in life I'm supposed to control, right? And this is a good conversation to have with your kids. Like it's a good boundary kind of conversation of there are things you are meant to control and no one else is meant to control those things. Not even God will control those things, right? God wants you to be in control of your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, your words, like those are things you are to control. And God wants to help teach you. And the way you do that is you surrender that Jesus has a better way to do things than I do, right? Jesus's way of doing things is better than my way. And so I will surrender to that, even when it doesn't make sense. Because you see this with this very highly educated person, Dr. Strange. And I remember saying this to my girls. They said at one point, he's so smart. How can't he understand this? And I said, there's a way in which you begin to trust in your education rather than learning to educate yourself, right? Like you trust in, this is how I was taught to think. This is what I was taught to think the world looks like and how the world operates. And when he gets to the ancient one, he's mocking things he doesn't understand, right? He thinks, I know enough about this because he said, I don't trust in chakras and all these, you know, he's very condescending, mocking any kind of just beyond the material world, physical you know, things he can understand. And what she's trying to say is there's a bigger world. There's a bigger picture than what you see. Once yeah. again, very specifically, she is talking about mysticism and magic, but that once again is still a very uh, biblical idea with this idea of we, we live, there is a reality. There is a kingdom that we can't physically see, but God is at work in the world. Yeah. And that if you will say, I want to live in a world where God is in control and God's way that forgiveness does lead me to happiness. Forgiveness yeah. is not me losing. It is me winning. Because often, yeah, often the thing in front of us is that the thing that blocks us is ourselves. Because right. we're the ones that are generally the ones that are not believing what is the possibility of it. You know, yeah. like a good example is like when you when you see uh, well, uh, when Peter's walking on water, like Jesus says, hey, come out on the water. And for that moment, He's able to do it and he understands it. But the second he loses focus on, he starts thinking about, wait a minute, I'm not in control of this. So I have to be afraid. Right. He, he lets, he loses that. And that's the same thing with this is that once he realizes that I don't have to control the situation, I just have to understand that some things are explainable. Some things are not explainable. And some things I just have to understand that I will not and will never have control over, you know? Well, and I think that's such a good example, Donnie. I'm glad you brought up the story of Peter walking on water because it is when he looks at the wind and the waves that he loses it. And that is what you see with Dr. Strange's. And I said this to my girls at the end of the movie, his hands never get fixed. Yeah. And when he's fixated on his hands, as as, uh, Sawyer said earlier, which I thought was great, was he's focused on this is the damage. This physical thing is my damage. I have these hands that won't work the way they're supposed to. And he looks at all the magic is really done with hands, right? You know, they're moving and they're doing all this stuff. And, you know, and he's like, well, my hands can't do that, right? That's him looking at the wind and the waves. He's looking at what he can see and he thinks I can't do this. And Jesus goes, you keep your eyes on me, Peter, and you would have walked all the way to me, right? 
And, and I love and, that example with the guy with that um, that didn't have any hands. Right, he didn't even have hands. Wait, I'm sorry. Can you come over here, please? Yeah. And then he like removes the pieces and like he starts doing. He's like, and like you can see that moment from Doctor Strange going, "Yeah, I just put my foot in my mouth. All right, let's do this." <laughs> yeah, and the thing we get to tell our our girls is, you know, Doctor Strange is just trusting in some unseen force. Mm-hmm. We as believers get to trust that Jesus is who He said He is, and He proved that by rising from the dead. So yep. it's not even like a blind faith thing. Like Doctor, we're trusting that the real power isn't in us, right? That it's yep. in Jesus, and we know mm-hmm. that because Jesus rose from the dead. So I think that's great. You know, I think another thing on this trust versus control is really what c- kind of gets towards the end of this movie is you find out that the ancient one has kind of been breaking the rules, as they say. Like, there's this natural order to things. Mm-hmm. There's a natural law. There's a natural order. And the rules are set up to make sure you can do that. And she's been what I don't even really know what this means drawing dark energy or something from the dark dimension to yeah. keep herself alive, basically to stay eternal. Um, and Mordo, who is Dr. Strange's kind of companion, he's, he's the one who kind of is, he's basically a religious like zealot. Like he's just full on. I, tr- what blind faith, yeah. the rules I have to follow it in a biblical example. He's very much like a Pharisee. Right, mm-hmm. He knows all the rules. He knows all the laws. And Dr. Strange gets to a point because Dr. Strange eventually breaks the natural order by doing this time reversal, doing all this stuff. And he says, sometimes, I can't remember the way he said it, but it's like basically sometimes you have to do something in the, the wrong way to do the right thing or something like that. That yeah. you, I have to do the wrong thing to do what's right. And what it made me think of was just recently, Jason Collins gave a sermon when his question was, can doing the right thing keep you from doing what's right? That the Pharisees and Jesus, they had these laws that really they thought they were honoring God because they were doing things in the right way, but it kept them from what's right, which is loving other people. And what I loved was just an example of how this conversation, how these movies bring up conversations. My daughter, oldest one, looked at me after he said that and goes, that can't be true. Is that true? Hmm. That doing what's, Doing, you can do what something in the wrong way, but it be the right thing. And I said to her, this example is they just learned this. And I said, Well, think about Rosa Parks. I said, Think about Rosa Parks. It was wrong because it was against the law for her to not give up her seat. Mm -hmm. But did she do the right thing? And she said, Yes. And I said, That's because what we know is what's just, what is loving. I said, Sometimes there are unjust rules or there are unjust laws or there are things that may even be the right thing in most situations but may not be the right thing in this situation now that's a very complicated conversation to have with kids because what we want every kid to think is you just do the rules you follow the rules you do the rules but what we really want are kids who are thoughtful and are able to do what's loving so what what were you gonna say, Donnie? Yeah, because like it's that idea of um when you're sitting in a situation where the right thing may seem like the most obvious thing but it doesn't but it doesn't push forward the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus in that moment because say for instance someone has done something that quote unquote blown up their life and all these things and someone's like well they did this to themselves well you could do that or you could say you know what you made this mistake i'm not going to hold the mistake against you we're going to move to the next step and we're going to do the right thing, which is I'm going to help you. I'm going to support you to get to that next step. Right. 
because I think in like in the culture at times it's the idea of well if they did that that's on them. No, like the idea from what Jesus taught us is that we're a collective of like a community, which means if the body hurts, then the whole thing hurts or should hurt. But the opportunity, like the way that we're that we're seeing in culture, is that no, it's it's every person for themselves. If you if you fail, well, that's on you, and I'm going to keep keep it pushing. Whereas, like, if I see someone fall, I need to pick them up. Like, you think about what the Samaritan, like, I could have easily just walked past them because I got to get to church. I got to get to church, but this person on the side of the road needs help. Yeah. But I'm going to be late for my position, you know, kind of thing. Well, and the Good Samaritan is a great example, right? Because that's really what Jesus is getting to is, you know, like for the Levite and the priest to touch this man would have made them unclean. They may not have been able to do their Levitical priestly role that was right. They yeah. have to show up. People are counting on them to be there to offer sacrifices. But by touching this man and dealing with this, because he could have been dead and touching a dead body would have made them unclean. Mm -hmm. They go, it would be wrong for me to help him. Yeah. Right. And good. And, well, and, and on that note, like something I love about Mordo is Mordo is the Levite or the Pharisee in, right. the, in the story of the good Samaritan. Okay. They're like, I, he's like, I can't break that law regardless of how much pain it might cause that guy or whatever. Oh, yeah. well, um, he thinks that the greater good is preserving his purity. Whereas what I love about this movie is Dr. Strange is just like, I, I'm willing to plunge my hands into the, the, uh, the temporal filth if it yeah. means saving the, the people that I care about and stuff like that. Well, and I think what's even what's even so interesting, and they really get to this towards the end. This gets us into our next kind of sacrifice thing here. Which is obviously, the end of this movie. If you haven't seen it, just go ahead and listen because whatever you need to know how to talk about it. But the end of this movie is Doctor Strange has this ability to control time that none of the other wizards because it's against the natural law. And there's this evil force that is coming in to kind of wipe out humanity, but he exists beyond time. And so what Doctor Strange decides to do is to go to um, this character's dimension where there is no time and basically create a time loop where this evil villain can kill Doctor Strange, but they're stuck in a time loop where he's going to kill him again and again and again. And I mean, it just keeps happening over and over again. And the reason that Doctor Strange does that is there's a conversation earlier where Mordo is like, we need to wipe out these evil villains that are trying to um, bring about the end of the planet, which mm -hmm. I think most people would be like, okay, if I got to kill these 10 people to stop the planet from dying, then that's the, the right choice. But what Dr. Strange gets to is he says, you know, I've taken the Hippocratic Oath. I've said I'm going to do no harm. He said there has to be another way. And Mordo is like, no, the right thing is these guys are evil. They must die. Because otherwise you're going to do the wrong thing, which is let this Dormammu villain come in and destroy everyone. And what Dr. Strange is, you have, we have to be more creative than that. And what it made me think of is what a lot of Christians refer to as the third way of Jesus. Right, that Jesus comes into a situation that when he says, turn the other cheek, and he says, what most of us think is when a Roman soldier slaps you on the cheek, you feel like I have two options. I can fight back, probably go to jail or get killed, or I can just take it and do whatever and not say anything about it. And Jesus introduces, there's a third way to do this, which is to turn your other cheek, become an active participant and say, because the example Jesus gave us, if someone takes their right hand and slaps you on your right cheek, 
which the only way to use my right hand to slap you on the right cheek is a backhanded slap. It's dehumanizing. In their culture, that was the way of basically saying you're nothing more than dirt to me. He said, what you do is you turn the other cheek and you say, hey, look, I'm not going to fight you, but you are at least going to you're at least going to treat me like a person and that you enter into this and you look at kind of like the nonviolent movements of the civil rights movements where they would carry um, these signs that say, I am a man. Like you don't treat me like I'm a man. I am a human being. I am a person and I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to attack you, but I'm also not just going to take what you give me. I'm going to come up with a creative, another solution to this problem. That's such a Jesus way of doing things. And the, the line that Dr. Strange uses is Dormammu says, you can't possibly win. I'm killing you. And remember his whole thing is he only takes opportunities if he thinks he can win. And what he says, and this is such a Jesus way of saying things. He goes, I can't win, but I can lose over and over and over again, which is the Jesus way. We're not trying to win. We're not trying to beat you. You're not our enemy. We want to love our enemies. But I can lose, I can, I can give up, I can be humble, I can surrender, I can sacrifice again and again and again, and he ends up winning. And that ends up being the thing. And I said to my daughter, I said, that's such a beautiful way of seeing, we don't have to fight people, we don't have to kill people. There are always other solutions. There is always a third way to love our enemies. Did you guys, was that moving to any of you guys? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought, because I was immediately thought when he said that, that was the same thought I had. I was like, wow, like, He's willing because he said the statement. And then I think in one of the iterations of the loop, he said, um, but I can save the world, but I can save the people that I love. I can save everyone. Like, and it's like, he's like, I'm willing to lose for the, and the thing you think about with his character, I'm willing to lose for the first time in my life voluntarily, or at least put myself in a position to lose. If it means doing the greater good. And I love how they incorporate his Hippocratic oath as a doctor into that he's like i will do no harm i didn't not intentionally not yeah. ever intentionally yeah and i and i, I love that sawyer is yeah. any of that no yeah like i think about especially like how the movie led to that point is the thing i think about the character of caecilius he's like he's kind of the villainous presence throughout the movie um that he's he's kind of in service of the the main villain and uh he is a character that uh, is super relatable to me personally. Cause you know, I, I, I always tell people when it comes well, to, well, because you are the villain of this podcast. Yeah, I haven't said that yet. You are <laughs> yeah. the villain of the podcast. So I, I yeah, understand. I, I, I'm the Dormammu of this podcast. I'm not the Kaecilius of this podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Okay? I think you're just, dog. I'm you're not just, the beta villain. <laughs> I don't know, man. You're just walking around lopping off heads of librarians. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, okay. I, I'll take that. No. Um, but, uh, no, but I, I love that character um, because he's he like I always tell people like with Marvel, it's important to make sure that you you identify yourself with the right character because you shouldn't identify yourself with the hero. The hero is the archetype and stuff like that and should be the goal and stuff like that. But like when I watch like and it, like especially this movie, I identify with Caecilius because I am very easily deceived and stuff like that. And that's kind of his problem is that he gets deceived. Uh, before the movie starts and thinks, oh, because the law was broken by the ancient one, therefore it doesn't matter at all. I can abandon it. And the movie is like, no, you've got to find that balance. And that's what Dr. Strange finds is that balance. But like that character is so aggressively selfish. He's the opposite of Dr. Strange. Uh, 
because he 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 now knows everything that Doctor Strange knows, but has reverted back to his old self. And I just I love the the parable of that character. Well, and I think, you know, people often talk about this character, Caecilius, as kind of being one of the forgettable villains. Uh, but I really don't think he is. I think if you get what he's doing in the movie, he really is serving very much like Killmonger in Black Panther as a character that is relatable in that his his idea is that death is offensive. He said that death is the greatest insult. The idea mm-hmm. that we die and his idea of what eternal life is, which once again, it's the only movie I know of in the in the uh MCU that mentions eternal life. What he thinks eternal life is, is that I never have to suffer. I never have to die. And what, uh, what Dr. Strange really understands is no death is the doorway to life. That the way that there is no way to escape. And this is really Jesus's point is when he says, I want you to take up your cross and follow me. There is no way to fully escape the process of dying. It's just whether you choose, I'm going to die to myself or I'm going to allow time to kill me. I'm going to allow something else. And that Jesus says, I want you to go up on the cross with me and you will find out that that's a doorway to life. And so I think that's an important thing to say to our kids. And I used to say this to teenagers all the time, especially teenagers is if you make your life all about you, that's all it will ever be about. And it will be a small life because it can only be as big as you. But if you will be like a seed and you, because every seed has to die to become something else and you will plant yourself in the streams of God, right? And you will allow yourself to blossom. You will become something you had never imagined before. And that that's really what I try to say to my kids is don't make life about you and what you want and what you want to get out of it. Don't be Dr. Strange at the beginning of the movie. He's only focused on his greatness and his success and what he wants because he treats people terribly. Christine is trying to help him, right? This girlfriend character wants to help him. And he, dude, one of the most heartbreaking moments in any of the movies is where she says something like, there's other things to live for. And he says like, what are you going to say? You? And it's so cutting and it's so biting and you realize she's like yes people other people matter yeah. and it's just it's so much that way so i think this is a great opportunity to have conversations with our kids about sacrificing our pride and being humble people sacrificing control and trusting jesus and even sacrificing what we think of as our life and being willing to die to ourselves to be born again to new life um so since we're kind of wrapping up our time here uh let's do lightning round donnie you had talked before i just want you to briefly talk about this idea you saw a parallel between uh dr Han- dr St- i was gonna call him dr hands dr-, <laughs> dr strange losing the use of his hands and paul the apostle paul losing his sight uh, talk about that yeah so like i thought it was kind of interesting because like when you think about it like for the better duration you know paul was able to do what he needed to do and he could walk the path he needed because he had control of all these various things. But the one thing that would take him out of it where he was, I mean, like it's the epitome of it is like he was blind, but not visually until. And once that was taken away from him, he had to slow down and look at the world around him and go, OK, I'm not doing this right. And then he was able to regain his sight. But not in the sense, like in that one, of course, like he regained full control of his sight, but of the idea, but now he had a better vision of the world around him. You know, whereas like in Doctor Strange had the same exact situation where for a long time he was an expert with his hands and he could do all these things as a neurosurgeon. And the second that was taken away from him, it forced him to look at the world differently. It forced him to open up his per- like his purview of saying, hey, oh, wait, it's not just about what I can do. 
It's about what I do with what I can give. Yeah. I think that's great. That's a great one right there. Uh, the opportunity for you as a parent to tell the story of, uh, of Paul. And if you don't know it, there's a great opportunity to look it up. I believe it is in Acts 9, but that may not be correct. I'm going to look that up. I will, it's I will, Acts 9. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so Acts 9. Um, Sawyer, lightning round. What do you got for this movie? Uh, yeah, I really, we didn't talk about this, but I actually, I literally just want to talk about my favorite scene in the movie. Um, we've talked about the really psychedelic stuff, but my favorite scene is so, okay, big spoiler alert. The ancient one dies near the be beginning of the third act is the thing. The ancient one dies. And there's this scene where she's in the hospital and it goes into her astral form. And Dr. Strange actually sees that she's in her astral form. So he joins her in the astral form and they go outside and have one final conversation um, watching like it's super slow motion. So you're seeing this lightning strike and they're, while they're having this, uh, this entire conversation and it's a beautiful scene. I love every second of it. And both the performances by Benedict Cumberbatch and, uh, <laughs> what's her, the actress of the ancient one. Um, they're, they're just great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that as well. T Tilda Swinton is who you're Tilda Swinton. Jeez. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything to add that we haven't talked about. I love this movie for specifically the reasons that it talks about of, of surrender and sacrifice and choosing a third way. Um, and, and I think just in particular for someone who loves comic book movies, um, you know, I, I certainly don't want our, our, our children growing up thinking the only way to solve problems is to fight it out. Uh, that sometimes the the solution to the problem is to surrender or to sacrifice. Um, and this is a movie that normally in, in superhero movies, someone says, you know, over my dead body. But what they actually mean is over your dead body, because there is no chance that I'm going to die. Uh, and this is a movie that really says the victory came over his dead body. It was his dead body again and again and again. And it is an interesting thing of I won't kill you, but you can kill me. That's just a very... Um, a powerful thing. So anyway, that's really it. We think this movie would be a great opportunity for you to talk to your kids about some great uh, Jesus-centered things. Sacrifice, surrender, trust, humility. All of these are great ideas. So hopefully you get to have those conversations and you join us next week for our next episode.